now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another edition of Finsider Radio. I am your host, Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Sutton and House, as always. And as you notice, there is no intro this week. And part of it because the Dolphins um, lost the game against the Patriots. And I really didn't want to start off the show with the fumble at the goal line by Damian Williams. Another reason is because, well, we're not used to this in week 18 with the Dolphins still playing. First time since 2008, Dolphins are in the playoffs. But the real reason why there is no intro, because I need to get right into this. The Dolphins have a 1% chance to make it to the Super Bowl, according to ESPN. I'm sorry, not even the Super Bowl. They have a 1% chance to win the AFC. ESPN earlier today released their football power index. Patriots have a 66% chance. Chiefs, 20%. Steelers, 9%. Raiders, 3%. And Texans, 2%. All five of those teams have their logos shown along with your team name and the percentage. The Dolphins are a little tiny mark at one freaking percent. If that's not, if that's not disrespect, I don't know what is. And Kenny Stills getting in on the action about 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time today tweeted out 1%. And I think the message is loud and clear, boys. Is this bulletin material for the Dolphins as they head in to their wild card matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, me personally, I I don't know that bulletin board material is necessary this time of year, but it's certainly a welcome addition to what we are already using to motivate ourselves. So I've, I've always thought we've played better with a chip on our shoulder, and I think most teams do. So if we can embrace this us-against-the-world mentality, who knows what can happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the Dolphins are as bulletin board material. I mean, it, I mean, earlier in the year we beat Pittsburgh 30-15. to 15, So, I mean, it almost seems like no one's giving Miami a chance. So I definitely think the team's going to use this as kind of a bulletin board material, though I don't think that that's necessarily what they need in order to – pull this win off on Sunday. And you talk about disrespect. Vegas is giving the Dolphins absolutely no shot at all. The Pittsburgh Steelers are favored by 10 points. I mean, that is a huge line, especially in the playoffs when you think about it. Yeah, you got the home team. You got the home team favorite. That's usually about good for three points. Then you add an additional seven points onto that. I mean, no one, no one outside the Miami locker room except Dolphins fans, of course, are giving the Dolphins a chance. It's like, really, you know, and I know people say, well, the Dolphins need to win to be relevant, and the Dolphins need to do this, and, and yes, the Dolphins are this and that. But it kind of wears on you after a little bit. Earlier today, I tweeted something in a, in a uh, direct message chat with a group of Dolphins fans. Um, I had actually tweeted out something that, you know, if to, to, the, pub, to the public that if I didn't follow social media, or the NFL, and I had just turned on ESPN, I would have absolutely no idea the Dolphins were in the playoffs. 
And then people in the group chat, someone in the group chat, you know, kind of got mad at me and said, stop feeding the national bias. And I said, dude, the Dolphins are in the playoffs. They should be getting some kind of respect. <laughs> playoffs. And, playoffs. <laughs> am, I, am I overreacting to this, guys? Or do you – the Dolphins um, deserve some kind of respect, right? I mean, they're in the playoffs. Of course. I think there needs to be acknowledgement for the season that we've had. We're going into the playoffs with a first-year head coach who's the youngest head coach in the NFL with one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. So people might be laughing right now or whatever they're doing, but we might end up having the last laugh as this thing builds. Um, and, and frankly, why not just go into this game thinking you're, you're playing with house money anyways? So let's go in super aggressive and, and, and just and see what happens. But, yeah, the, the 10-point spread I thought was, was pretty high. And I, I know it may swing a, a few points uh, if Tannehill's ruled able to play in this game. Uh, but I don't think it'll sway that much. I think it'll stay at least a touchdown, uh, even if Tannehill plays. So, yeah, we're, we're not getting any respect, but maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I kind of agree. I think that's something that we've, we've seen as Dolphin fans. I, you've, throughout all these bad years, I guess it was easy to kind of be uh, looked down upon by the national media and kind of forgotten about. But now that the Dolphins have a, a pretty damn good team, I mean, no one expected Miami to be where they are right now. So I can kind of understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, I mean, the Dolphins have every bit of a chance as anyone else in the playoffs right now. And like I said earlier, based on what we did on to the Steelers earlier in the year, I, I know both teams are different since then. Dolphins are a little more banged up than they were back then. But, I mean, to kind of overlook the Dolphins in a, in a game where I think they match up pretty well, it's, it's something that we've seen in the past, and it just continues to happen year after year. MC Money, let me throw out some, some random statistics for you. I did a little research and wrote an article on the Fensider. About 20, how 26, 24, 24 weeks in, and Sutton finally decides to do some research. <laughs> better, better, late better, late better, late than it, I swear. better late than never, Sutton. Continue. Yeah, on. exactly. All right, shut up. Like you're studying textbooks every night. Anyway, <laughs> um, basically, what I found is six seeds and three seeds are even since this new playoff format started in 2002. 14-14, it's a wash. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the six seeds in the last three years are five and one, and the AFC representative of the six seed is six and two in the last eight years. So historically speaking, it is not ridiculous to think that a six seed could win one, if not both, games on wild card weekend. So it's why they play these games. We're in a league of parity, certainly um, with some some luck and some turnovers and stuff like that. This game can swing any number of ways. So um, I look forward to Sunday. It's going to be a it's going to be a great feeling. I just hope we can get off to a good start. I think that that's the one thing that worries me is that we uh, we stay with them close and just keep nipping at their heels the whole game. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is getting off to a fast start. And the Dolphins certainly uh, are not known to get off to fast starts. I mean, even dating back to Joe Philbin, Tony Sperano, they want that even. I mean, it just seems the Dolphins can never, you know, come out of the gate just firing on all cylinders. But the second half for the Dolphins is absolutely insane. 
this year under head coach Adam Gase, they played their best football late in the games. After halftime, the Dolphins are outscoring their opponents. Listen to this. 221 to 175. The 46-point margin is the eighth best in the NFL. That is a testament to the adjustments that are made at halftime by the coaching staff and the players. You look at a game like the Patriots this past Sunday where the Dolphins were down, what was it, 21, 20 to 3. No, what was it, 20 to 20 to 7 heading into halftime. And they came firing back, boys. And if Damian Williams doesn't fumble at the five-yard line, they probably score on one of those next two downs. And this is a six-point game, and that stadium is rocking with about six minutes left in the game. And it will be a completely different ball game. That fumble happens. They have a really nice return down the sideline. And we knew at that point the game was over. Even if they had kicked a field goal, the game was basically over. Uh, But that is just the way, you know, things bounce. But you're right. The Dolphins definitely need to come out to a fast start. They need to get the crowd quiet, quiet down. They need to get the Dolphins fans up in their seats. Because if the Steelers fans are rocking and rolling all, all game long, it's going to be very hard for the Dolphins to communicate. They already have miscommunication issues to begin with. You add a crowd noise in there and a playoff atmosphere, it's going to only compound from there. And let's just hope they can come out of the gate strong. You know, you look at whether they can defer or receive the ball if they win the toss. And I don't know, boys. I, I, don't, I don't know what the best option is because the Dolphins' defense is really struggling right now. But then again it's really tough to see if the offense can come out firing and move the ball down the field. If you're Adam Gase, what do you do, Sutton? If I'm Adam Gase, he seems to prefer to defer to the second half. And I think to change that at the last minute may send the wrong message. So I think he would just stay true to form and defer if he could. Not to say that's the right theoretical call, but that's what Adam Gase will do. He'll defer. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit throughout the week. I've been playing Madden for a long time, and I always seem to defer <laughs> kind of like Adam Gase. I like to bring the defense out there, and, I mean, getting the ball back after halftime, that's always a good thing. So I'm, I'm all for deferring until the second half. Yeah, so, you know, you could look at it that way, and – say that it's a playoff atmosphere. It's going to take both teams a little bit to get going and you could kind of pull it that way. Whereas the Steelers will have a tough time, you know, getting off the ball and kind of free possession for the Dolphins defense. But then you got the scripted plays and so forth. But, you know, to really get a look at how the Steelers really attack the ball and, and really bring in the, the plays to start the game and how they adjust at halftime and how they do everything else. We're going to bring in Jeff Hartman, from Behind the Steel Curtain, part of the SB Nation Network, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, the official Pittsburgh Steelers website for SB Nation. Jeff, thank you for joining Finsider Radio. Uh, glad to have, glad to be here, guys. All right, so Jeff, this is Matt, and we're joined by Sutton and Houts, uh, my co-host here. Huge game on Sunday. The Dolphins, of course, defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier this season on October 16th. Final score, 30-15, to 15, a game where Roethlisberger got hurt, a game where the Dolphins kind of kept Le'Veon Bell in check, a game where Antonio Brown didn't do much. Jeff, what is the difference between this Pittsburgh Steelers team then and this Pittsburgh Steelers team now? 
Um, well, I think it's twofold in terms of the difference between the Steelers now and the Steelers then. Um, I think the most obvious would be Roethlisberger's health. Um, anyone that watched the game in the second half, even though he was back on the field, knew that he wasn't 100%. I wasn't able to really be under center much. That limits their ability to, you know, obviously with formations and, and different personnel groupings they're going to deploy, and, and it hindered their running game and their passing game. So I think their offense is healthy. Roethlisberger is about as healthy as he can be at this point in the season. Le'Veon Bell is going to see his first playoff time of his career. He's been injured the last two years when the Steelers were in the postseason. Antonio Brown's healthy. Marquise Pouncey's healthy. Their offense is healthy. And if they could even get Ladarius Green back, who wasn't in the lineup for that earlier matchup, he's a difference maker at tight end as well. Now, defensively, the Steelers, although they've had some gas, I would say, the past few weeks, um, they're stopping the run much better. Uh, they're tackling better uh, and just ba- basically playing better overall defense. And they're actually being spurred on by a couple of rookies in the, in the defensive secondary and Artie Burns and uh, Sean Davis. Sean Davis did not play much, if at all, in that week six meeting. But Artie Burns was picked on a lot, but his play has improved yes. uh, as the season's progressed as well. So I would say those are probably the two biggest differences between the Steelers then and the Steelers now. Yeah, you mentioned Artie Burns. We'll get back to him in a little bit. You also mentioned the run game, the improved run defense. Jay Ajayi, 25 attempts, 204 yards, 8.2 yards per carry, along of 62 yards and two touchdowns on the day on October 16th. But let me jump back. Before we brought you on the year, we were talking about whether or not we should root for the Dolphins to defer, root for the Dolphins to receive the ball. When you've seen the Steelers play this season, how has – their beginning of the game been? Have they started slow? Have they started fast? Are they a team that takes a little bit to get into the game? If if you were Miami, let's put your Dolphins hat on. If you were Miami going against the Steelers, what would you decide to do if you won the toss? Um, if I were Miami, I would probably just, I guess this is more just me as, a, as an individual. I would always like to defer to the second half, uh, get that first possession in the second half. But then again, I can see the thought process of saying, I want the ball right away. I want to try to get a, a score, whether it's a field goal or just points on the board. Um, but at the same time, if you're on the road, you go into a hostile environment. If you go three and out or you end up having to punt, it can be very deflating to take the ball and, and not do something with it. So that's why if I were the Dolphins, if I win the toss, I'm going to defer to the second half. I'm going to kick the ball off to Pittsburgh, put a little pressure on them in front of the home crowd um, and see what they do with the football. Yeah, this is uh, Houts here. Uh, my question for you is, earlier in the year, Jay Ajayi carried the ball 25 times for 204 yards. I think that was his big uh, coming out game against the Steelers earlier in the season. You mentioned the defense playing better. What what must they do to contain Jay Ajayi, and do you think he can have similar success against the Steelers team? You know, I've, I've watched Ajayi run um, against a couple teams, and I think if you watch the Baltimore Ravens game, which I was able to watch, um, they probably did one of the better jobs of trying to bottle him up. Uh, and really, it was just playing – and it's what the Ravens do very well, and the Steelers know them, obviously, being in the same division. You just have to be very disciplined in your gaps, um, and you can't try to do you know do too much. He's such a dynamic ball carrier, and he's so unique in the fact that he does so well after someone's already made contact with him. Yards after contact with him, the numbers are ridiculous. I'm sure you guys know this off the top of your head. But for me, the Steelers, what they did is, in that week six game, they had, they didn't have Cam Hayward, and they were still trying to put the pieces together as to how they were going to mend the fence without their defensive leader, probably their best defensive lineman. And it's been such a long time now. 
They're hopeful to get Stefan Tewitt back. He's a big cog on the defensive line without Hayward. Uh, they move him around a lot. Uh, they'll move him to the right and to the left side. They give, they're getting some good play from rookie Javon Hargrave, who was a third-round draft pick for, uh, to nose tackle. And then, you know, they've got some younger guys, too. Second-year guy, LT Walton, is stepping up big time. They're just playing disciplined football. But you'll notice one thing about the Steelers, and this will be huge in the game on Sunday, if they're tackling well, and you'll notice it early, then their defense is going to be really good. If they're not tackling well, you can watch the, the Bengals game, you can watch the Ravens game, and even the Bengals, or, I'm sorry, the Browns game in Week 17, the Ravens in Week 16, or the Bengals in Week 15, they did not tackle well. Guys are bouncing off uh, ball carriers. That's going to be trouble if they don't tackle well on Sunday. Hey, Sutton here, and thanks again for joining us tonight. I was lucky enough to be in attendance at the Dolphins-Steelers game a few years ago at Heinz Field in the snow, crazy high-scoring game. Antonio Brown barely stepped out of bounds with that crazy lateral last play of the game. Loved uh, loved that game. It was one of my top three games I've ever been to. Anyway, we've uh, Dolphins have – found success on defense this year, mainly through their defensive line and being able to get to the quarterback. We were able to get to Roethlisberger a few times. The first time we played, how has the offensive line for the Steelers been playing recently um, against uh, the pass rush? Uh, If you want to throw out the Week 17 game against the Browns, I think they surrendered three or four sacks. Pouncey didn't play. Landry Jones was the quarterback. Roethlisberger was inactive. You take away that game, and the offensive line has been outstanding, especially in pass protection. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was only hit once against the Baltimore Ravens. He didn't even get sacked. Uh, they had the second lowest um, sack totals on the quarterback after the Oakland Raiders. Um, I'm not sure if that still holds true. It was true going into Week 17. I haven't looked at the, the uh, after Week 17, but they've done a tremendous job protecting the quarterback. And Roethlisberger is just so in tune with that offensive line. He knows where to step up, when to kind of roll out, when to create, and that's what he does best. And um, you saw when Landry Jones was in there in week 17, he does not have that same cohesion with the offensive line. So uh, they've done a tremendous job. I think they're much improved even since the last time the Steelers and Dolphins played. That will be a really fun chess match to watch throughout the game on Sunday. We are joined by Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain, the official Steelers website of SB Nation. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at BNG Blitz. Jeff, just a few more questions before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. The Dolphins travel to Pittsburgh in cold temperatures. It's going to be a low of 13, a game time temperature about 25, 27 degrees or so. Uh, Mostly cloudy, a little bit of sunshine peeking through. You as a Pittsburgh fan, you as a guy who follows the Steelers, and you who sees the atmosphere in the Steelers stadium in terms of the regular season and the playoffs as well, what can the Dolphins and Dolphins fans as well expect when we turn on the TV on Sunday? Or if you're going to the game as a Dolphins fans, what can they expect to see? Um, it's going to be a really crazy environment. Um, Heinz Field in the playoffs is just, it, it typically, it's obviously going to be packed. It's going to be a sellout crowd standing room only. Uh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. Um, I can honestly say that from a, if, if a Dolphins fan is going to the game, um, I've been to Heinz Field on several occasions. I've never once seen uh, a fan of the opposing team get harassed or anything like that. You don't hear the horror stories like you do like at Philly or Baltimore or anything like that. But 
it is a great venue to watch a game. Uh, it's not a huge stadium. It kind of gets you a little bit closer to the action than you might be in, in some compared to other stadiums in the NFL. Uh, it's a great place to watch a football game, and I think it being a one o'clock game during the day. Now, the only thing, if it was a night game, it probably would have been a little bit more crazy. But still, I think it's going to be a great a great day. I hope that the weather is not too much of an impact in terms of any precipitation, but I hope that it's a, it's just a great game in, in terms of the atmosphere, the venue, et cetera. I think it should be fun. All right. And, Jeff, you did mention that uh, day game versus night game. I was a little concerned about that as well. You know, of course, 8 o'clock game. How it's, uh, and I got to experience tailgating with an 8 o'clock game, and, boy, we were out there for quite a few hours getting nice and toasty, nice and warm, and I can only imagine how they do it in Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, Sutton got stuck at the airport, so he wasn't able to join us until later in the night. But, yes, the 1 o'clock start should certainly help, you know, somewhat with the crowd noise, of course. I'm not discounting it completely. Jeff, before we let you go, final prediction for Sunday's game. How do you see it playing out? Uh, it's still early. I'm curious to see what the Dolphins want to do with Tannehill in terms of whether they're going to try to play him or not. Um, I, I, I think that the Steelers – the Steelers' success is always way beyond Bell. If they can run the football, uh, if they can control the line of scrimmage, they're a really tough team to beat, and they're really good at home. Uh, they're a completely different team on the road. I do like Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, if you're asking for a score, I'll say something along the lines of Pittsburgh 31, and I'll say Miami, uh, we'll say 23. So okay. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think I don't think the Steelers cover the 10-point spread, if that spread remains up until Sunday, but uh, – I like the Steelers in this game. All right. Jeff Hartman from behind the steel curtain. You can follow him on Twitter at BNG Blitz. The Dolphins and Steelers have, have somewhat of a interesting history over the past several years. They'll continue that this time in the AFC wildcard round of the playoffs, 2016, 2017 season. Jeff, have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of your week and good luck on Sunday, but not too much luck. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me guys. All right, take care, Jeff. That was Jeff Hartman from behind the steel curtain. Guys, I mean, no one else is giving the Dolphins a chance. Jeff Jeff was very complimentary of them. Deep down inside, and I don't know if this is just because I'm being a homer, but I really feel the Dolphins have a great shot of staying competitive and winning this game on Sunday. We've done it throughout the year. We've stayed in ball games somehow, some way, and then win the game somehow, some way. So I don't know why this game wouldn't follow that same script. Obviously, a couple go off course, but there's no reason to think that um, it's going to stray that far off course. And, you know, if we're in this game in the fourth quarter, then obviously anything can happen in this game. And I mean, you know, I'm getting why... pissed off. I'm getting pissed off just thinking about it. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm going to punch someone, punch something, so Sutton, watch out. I'm going to punch you in the face through my computer screen. Uh Oh, thank God my kids thank God my two year thank God my kids in the other room. No, I would not punch her. Stop it. Um but <laughs> no, she would punch at, you. Does she anyway. would punch you. She'd be like be like, Daddy quit being a little bitch and then she'd punch you in the face. <laughs> she basically said that when we were playing uh when we were playing the Bills, I got a little pissed off. No, but I mean if you look at the Dolphins after their one and four start to the season, there's only been one game and that was against the Ravens where they didn't have a chance at all so I don't I don't understand where this complete and total disrespect is coming from it's just mind-boggling to me well well 
answer me this. What if the final score of the Dolphins Patriots game was 35 to 31? Is this a 10 point spread? Probably not. Cause I don't know. Probably I mean, not. What they're no, doing, right? they're, they're based, it's, it's based on the recency effect of what just happened. And base. you know, the people betting didn't probably follow the Dolphins Patriots game. They probably saw the box score. So they see a team like us getting beat by 21 points to a, to a good team and you know they create a 10 point spread because they're they're trying to even out the bets here so I really do think that the Dolphins are a good a good bet to cover the spread this weekend I think so as well House I know you talked about the disrespect earlier in the show but I'm coming back to it because I'm still pissed about it uh, have your thoughts changed after listening to me they haven't I mean like you said and we said earlier, I mean, Dolphins have been getting disrespected for years. I mean, rightfully so, maybe over the past decade. But, I mean, with Adam Gates in town, we said it before and all throughout the show in the last several weeks, I mean, he's a legit Coach of the Year candidate. Uh, just what the Dolphins have done this year has been pretty unbelievable. So, I mean, maybe these experts that come up with these things, maybe they, they see the same old Dolphins. But, I mean, for us fans who have been watching all year, I mean, all these different games they pulled out that in other years they may have just rolled over and died. I mean, the Dolphins have definitely improved and definitely shown that they can win these games. So, I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a little pissed off thinking about it. And the more we talk about it, the more angry I get. And I think by the end of this week, I think we're going to be pretty fired up and hopefully the players feel the same way. Hell yeah. Hell well, and, and be careful what you wish for too, MC Money. Do you want – Freaking Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless talking about the Dolphins all the time. I want to hear those fuckers talk about the Dolphins all the time. So, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, just be careful what you wish for. I kind of, yeah, I kind of right. like going under the radar a little bit. Yeah. Before we jump into the live thread, let's just give a big congratulations to Jason Taylor, one of the finalists for the Hall of Fame uh, this yeah. this impending class. Yeah. Jason Taylor, obviously a huge part of the Dolphins history and, and one of the greatest defensive ends if not the greatest defensive end in Dolphins history. I know that's a very tall statement to make, but he has done so much for the organization. It still does to this day. We'll find out who goes into the Hall of Fame for sure Super Bowl weekend when they announce it. All right, boys, let's head on over to the live thread. We have a lot to cover. We have 30 minutes left. We still have an interview that's to take place with Jack Singlin from TickPick. Uh, he's going to talk to us about how the Dolphins and the Steelers game is the second hottest wild card game in terms of ticket sales this coming weekend but before we get to that let's head on over to our live thread Sutton House what do we got all right the first one here is from Detona Dolphin he asked will the defense show up this week well that's that's a little tricky I mean the Steelers offense is probably one of the most high octane in the NFL I mean you got Antonio Brown Le'Veon Bell Roethlisberger all probably top five at their respective positions so I mean Will the defense show up? I think a lot of that rides on Byron Maxwell. It's kind of funny. At the beginning of the year, a lot of us were down on him, maybe didn't quite understand the trade. But what Byron Maxwell did earlier in the year against Antonio Brown, that's everything the Dolphins need in this game. I mean, we still can't cover running backs out of the backfield. So Le'Veon Bell, he's he's going to have success on the ground and through the air. But for me, the, the biggest question mark is who's going to stop Antonio Brown on the outside. So for me, I mean, between that and – getting pressure on the quarterback, I, I think it's going to be tough for the Dolphins' defense to show up, and I'm, I'm really just going to sit back and wait and see. Uh, hopefully Maxwell plays and some of these other 
injuries on defense, and, and then we'll go from there. Daytona Dolphin asks another good question. Will Ajayi have a game like the last Steelers game? Great question. If he does, we win this game. So uh, I sure as hell hope that we can establish something like that. <laughs> My gut tells me that the Steelers will be kind of keying in on that. So I would really like to see play action get established uh, early, get a couple big chunks of yards, taking advantage of, you know, the um, initial game jitters. So, you know, take advantage of some of that um, through the air because uh, you know they're going to be keying on Ajayi. So hopefully we can take advantage of that. But I, I'm thinking in terms of Ajayi in the running game, I see this game more like the first Jets game, a game where – we didn't have that much success. We popped me one. We, we popped that one run with Ajayi in the first half, but it was mainly you know three and four yards in a cloud of dust, not getting that much out of it, and then was able to churn some big chunk yardage in the second half. So I'm hoping that's the narrative that plays out on Sunday, where we can kind of wear them down, maintain the time of possession, keep the ball, uh, convert third downs, and then let Ajayi just use his beastly nature to take over the second half because I think that's the type of game plan that we can pull off. All right, House, we have anything else going on over there? Yeah, here's one from uh, Agent J. During the playoffs, there always seems to be a player that comes out of nowhere and has an impact. Who on the Dolphins do you think that player could be that leads the Dolphins to a victory? Uh, good question, Agent. For me, I, I'm going to have to say my X factor might be Kenyon Drake. I mean, we saw what Jakeem Grant did last week. He, if anything, he kind of took a step backwards. I mean, I, I expect Kenyon Drake maybe to see some more uh, opportunities on kickoff return duty and uh, punt return. And I mean, they got to give they got to give Ajay a rest. Damian Williams had that costly fumble, so uh, Adam Gase might be more uh, might be more willing to put in Kenyon Drake in key situations. Uh, another guy I just want to throw out there, and he's not really coming out of nowhere, but this is Cameron Wake's first playoff game. This is something he strived for throughout his entire career. And, I mean, he had quite an impact in that first game. And I think uh, if Miami needs to win on Sunday, uh, the defensive line's definitely going to have to wreak havoc for uh, Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm going to go Cameron Wake on defense. Cameron Wake and Kenyon Drake, both great options there. Kenyon Drake actually tweeted out, after the game against the Patriots, that he had an opportunity to make an impact, and he made zero impact, and he needs to do better. Cameron Wake, of course, first playoff experience for his game in the playoffs. I do expect him to turn it up a notch, even though he said he goes 100% every single week. I think we see a different Cam Wake when we hit the field on Sunday. Sutton, do we have anything else going on in the live thread in terms of questions? Yeah. Alpha just asked how many interceptions does Roethlisberger throw this game, LOL. Uh, I, I could I could go for a four pack in the fourth quarter like Phil is. That would be pretty sick. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, Ben Roethlisberger in the first game before he got injured, he wasn't exactly lighting it up. He had thrown two interceptions. Of course, the, the two players who intercepted it are no longer on the field for the Dolphins. They're injured, but the fact remains that the Dolphins had Roethlisberger guessing a little bit all over the place. And if they can continue that and, and keep that up against him. Remember, Vance Joseph went up against Roethlisberger two times a year when he was in the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals. So he does know Roethlisberger pretty well. Uh, you could say the same thing about the Steelers knowing Vance Joseph, but remember that Vance Joseph wasn't calling plays against the Pittsburgh offense. Vance Joseph was a secondary coach. He understood the game plan to stop Roethlisberger. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't necessarily understand the game plan to stop Vance Joseph's defense because that is not what they were running in Cincinnati at that time. So there's a lot to take in, and we'll come back to the live thread later on as we uh, wrap up the show in, in just a little bit. But the Dolphins versus Steelers are the second hottest ticket this coming weekend in the wild card round. Uh, the first hottest ticket is the Lions versus Seahawks, and followed by you know the Dolphins game, and then you got the others following in line the least, of course, the Texans and the Raiders. Let's talk to Jack Slingland. By Tick Jack Pick. Slingland from TickPick, TickPick.com, your price, your seat, no hidden fees. Uh, TickPick, where smart fans buy and sell tickets. It's a secondary market for tickets, much like other websites that I'm sure you are very familiar with. Jack is the Director of Client Relations for TickPick. Jack, thank you for joining Finsider Radio. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, Jack, we received a report from you guys earlier today stating that the Dolphins versus Steelers is the second hottest wild card ticket uh, currently on the market. Can you just give us a little background on exactly what that means? So we pulled um, today the average listing price for these four wild card games coming up this weekend. Uh, the Seahawks and the Lions were the, was actually the hottest ticket. Um, those fans up in Seattle uh, still are very enthusiastic about, you know, their chances to, to reach the Super Bowl. So that, that was the highest. But coming in second uh, was the, the Steelers versus Dolphins matchup, um, which is about $50 more right now than the Packers and the Giants. Uh, and then the Texans and the Raiders is the least desirable, just over $200. But those prices are likely to continue dropping with, you know, a backup quarterback. I think Connor Cook is playing now for the Raiders and, and Brock Osweiler, which, you know, might as well be a backup at this point. <laughs> right, of course, with the Texans and Raiders, obviously that's not an ideal playoff matchup and not something fans probably are flocking to get to, although it is a playoff game. Jack, are you able to tell us where these tickets are being purchased from from this game? The game is in Pittsburgh, obviously Miami, Florida, down uh, ways from there. But the thing with the Dolphins is there are fans all across the nation. As we know, the Steelers have a very rabid fan base as well. Do you have any geographical data where, where these tickets are coming from and you know, what can we expect at Heinz Field on Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. So right now to date, uh, a little over 25% of our orders are coming from Pennsylvania, uh, which you may think is low, but um, the Steelers, you know, they kind of have fans all over the place. Um, so we, we see a lot of surrounding states, you know, Ohio, um, you know, Kentucky, West Virginia, states in that area are also, you know, pretty strong. Uh, as far as orders, and as far as Florida right now, 11% of the orders are coming from there, um, which is actually tied for the third highest of any state, um, and uh, along with Ohio. And New York actually is the second highest, about 13% of our orders right now are coming from the state of New York. Okay, that's very interesting with New York. I know with the MetLife takeover, every year the Dolphins fans invade MetLife Stadium when they play the Jets. So I'm wondering there, you know, obviously you can't tell and we can't tell, but I'm wondering there how many Dolphins fans are in that number within New York. So it'll be interesting to see. I know there will be tons of Steelers fans, of course. It is a home game for them and it is playoff time, but I am interested to see just how many Dolphins fans there are at Heinz Field on Sunday. We are joined here by Jack Slingland from TickPick at TickPick on Twitter if you would like to follow them and, and check out all the great things that they have to offer. Jack, just a few more questions before we let you go. If the Dolphins you know, are to advance past the first round against the Steelers. 
Do you anticipate them being a hot ticket? They will be going up to New England to face the Patriots on Saturday. Do you anticipate being this another hot ticket for the uh, divisional round? Uh, I think so, especially if, um, you know, if they end up going to New England, obviously, in division game. Um, so those tickets, even during a regular season, typically command higher prices. Uh, and then with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting, you know, the, their divisional round game, normally during the regular season, Kansas City Chiefs routinely sell below face value. And we're actually seeing some tickets now for that game selling below face value. So, you know, as far as the AFC matchups go, if the Dolphins do advance, they'll certainly, you know, be playing in the hottest matchup in the AFC uh, in that divisional round. That is an interesting uh, thing you mentioned there with the Chiefs selling below face value. I'm wondering if the weather has anything to do with it or just that demographic of that area. Jumping back real quick, looking back to the regular season, reports coming out from various sites that the Dolphins versus Patriots game in Week 17 was one of the hottest tickets in the NFL. Did you see that from your vantage point in terms of where the sales are coming from and how, how much the tickets were jumping up in price? Absolutely. So typically, you know, I, I think a lot of people out there may be accustomed to waiting until the last minute to potentially buy tickets. That ends up working out in, in the customer's favor. Uh, but it was the exact opposite for this particular event. Uh, the week of the game, we were seeing the average get-in price. So, you know, the cheapest ticket available uh, was hovering in between like $175 to $200. Uh, which is much, much higher than your standard Dolphins game. Um, you know, with tickets, you know, a lot of times can be had, um, you know, around $100, if not less. So there was a huge spike in, in prices, you know, with the Patriots having, um, you know, a home field advantage on the line in that, in that game. Yeah, and of course, Dolphins falling just short there. I know the score doesn't really tell us the entire deal with the fumble by Damian Williams at the goal line to make it almost a six-point game, which it would have been. Jack, the Dolphins throughout the entire regular season, uh, attendance has fluctuated over the past few years since the stadium renovations. It seems like attendance has certainly increased this year. In terms of Dolphins' regular season ticket sales throughout the entire season, what is the overall trend for them in comparison to the rest of the league? Um, the Dolphins are, are usually, you know, now that they, they've definitely picked up with those renovations, um, as far as pricing, they're sort of towards the middle of the pack. Um, they probably used to be, you know, a, a, probably in the bottom, you know, third of the league as far as ticket prices um, and being on the cheaper side. Uh, but with the renovations to uh, Hard Rock Stadium, we have seen that the, those prices have been increasing. All right. And one more question for you, Jack. Again, we're talking to Jack Slingland from TickPick, a secondary market for tickets to NFL and other sporting events and other events throughout the nation. Jack, any tips for any fans who want to get in on the playoff action on Sunday at Heinz Field, should they start looking at tickets now or should they be waiting until we get closer to game time? Um, so I think the, the, the one thing when you're looking to buy tickets the week of an event, it's almost more important to look at the amount of tickets available than it is at the current prices. Uh, right now we have just under 3,000 tickets available, which is a, a pretty healthy number. Um, and, and we should see prices remain steady, if not maybe dip a little bit. That being said, if, you know, by tomorrow that number drops by, you know, 1,000 tickets and, and we're heading into, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, you know, below 2,000 tickets, um, you could see that come up. So if, um, you know, if you're look, looking to head, head out to that game, um, I'd actually advise downloading the TickPick app and you actually put in some price alerts there, uh, say what sections you're willing to sit in, and we'll send you a push notification uh, based on what price that you're comfortable paying. Uh, that way you can scoop those tickets right up as soon as uh, prices drop into a range that you're comfortable with. 
All right, you hear it there straight from Jack. Download the TickPick app on your phone or check out the website, www.tickpick.com. Jack Slingland from TickPick, thank you for joining us and to talk about the second hottest wild card game this coming weekend, Dolphins versus Steelers. Have a great night, Jack. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Why does... All right, and that was Jack Slingland from TickPick. Great information there, and we all know that Dolphins are one of the most popular teams across the nation, even though sometimes the TV uh, networks don't really portray it that way. We know in MetLife the Dolphins take over. We know that the Dolphins tra- fans travel extremely well um, across across the country and even to London as well. Dolphins are well represented there. So some interesting stats, guys, You know, going into Sunday's game. Uh, the fact that it's a second – Hottest ticket, not too much of a surprise considering Steelers fans are absolutely rabid and it is a, you know, very hostile environment to go into and the Dolphins will have more of that coming up on Sunday at 1 p.m. when they travel to Pittsburgh and play in their first playoff game since 2008. Before we continue on, we got about 20 minutes left. Max, uh, the Dolphins versus playoff teams, a little concerning stat here. They played four games against teams in this year's playoffs and have gone one and three in those four games. Their only one, of course, against the Pittsburgh Steelers on October 16. Um, for me, they lost to Seattle week one. They lost to New England twice. And then, of course, beat the Steelers. Does that record concern you, House, when you see the Dolphins have gone one and three, but also seeing that two of those losses came to the Patriots? I, I really don't think it does. I mean... One and three is not so bad considering that one wins against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I mean, we know how the season began, and we consistently struggle against the Patriots. But, uh, I mean, if Miami can somehow pull off a win this weekend, we take on New England for, what, the, th- the third time this year? And, I mean, yeah, uh, it, that, would, that would be awesome to play the Patriots in the playoffs, whether that's up north in your area or – it would just be great. So, I mean, it doesn't concern me, but I, I can understand why it would concern some. Yeah, and then speaking of also of kind of experience there, you know, talking about playoff teams, kind of moving towards players with experience in the playoffs, and this is going to be directed towards you. A little concerning considering these are the Dolphins who have playoff experience. T.J. Yates, Kenny Stills, Byron <laughs> Maxwell, Donald Butler, Earl Mitchell, Jason Jones, Adamican Sue, Nick Williams, and Spencer Paysinger. So you look at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players. Nine players out of 53 players have played Damn. in a playoff game. If you want to, you can also count in Brandon Albert, Jermon Bushrod, and John Denny. I'm sorry, they also played in playoff games. So 12 players, really, who have playoff experience on this roster. Kenny Stills, Byron Maxwell, I mean, a few of those, yeah, impact players. But Sutton, is that concerning to you in terms of Dolphins maybe not knowing how to play in the playoffs? It's a little bit concerning, but we have veterans on this team that have played in this league a while that I don't think you necessarily have to play in the playoffs to know how dire the circumstances are in the playoffs. I'm not worried just because Cameron Wake's never played in the playoffs doesn't mean I don't think he's going to know how to play in a playoff game. Now, 
I am worried about our younger players like Jakeem Grant. He scares me to death if he's going to touch this game or if he's mm-hmm. going to touch the ball in this game. Those are the players that I'm worried about in a game like this. It's not Cameron Wake or some of the other veterans that haven't made the playoffs yet, but I think would perform admirably well in the playoffs. It's those young players that are already kind of green as it is to be in that type of situation. I think uh, that's that's where it concerns me. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Wake said earlier in the week that he's not going to kick it up a notch. And part of me thinks that's being a little naive because Dominican Sue said prior to that, that it gets kicked up a notch in the playoffs and there's more intensity, there's more adrenaline. And Cameron Wake, of course, never playing in a playoff game, doesn't know what that environment is like. So I think Cameron Wake is going to find out real fast that it is, in fact, a different environment. But Cam Wake is an absolute monster, an absolute beast. So I'm not too concerned about him adjusting. Another thing that's concerning is the quarterback situation. Before we get into that, though, House, we're going to talk to you about that. Just want to run through some questions here that people are asking on Twitter. Our buddy Rob Carruth, he asks, is Matt Burke the odds-on favorite to replace Vance Joseph if he leaves, and is he a wise choice? Vance Joseph, as you may know, is a very hot candidate right now for a head coach. The docs right now are connecting him to the Denver Broncos. Two years ago when the Broncos were hiring after they fired John Fox, their number one choice was Gary Kubiak. Had they not hired Gary Kubiak, they would have hired Vance Joseph, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. They, in fact, they liked Vance Joseph so much, they tried to get him to be their defensive coordinator when they hired Kubiak, but the Bengals would not let Vance Joseph out of his contract as secondary coach to make the jump to the Denver Broncos. So that is very interesting to watch. I heard it's between Kyle Shanahan and Vance Joseph, with Vance Joseph being the odds-on favorite to land a job. Matt Burke is a very uh, integral part of the Miami Dolphins coaching staff. He is currently the linebackers coach, was with Vance Joseph in Cincinnati. Simon Clancy on Twitter, at SI Clancy, a very, you know, plugged-in source to the Dolphins, says he's a true confident of Gates and someone Gates leans on heavily in game planning. So it is an obvious uh, succession plan for the Dolphins taking place there with Matt Burke going into uh, the defensive coordinator role. Another question here coming on Twitter. Why do Titans hurt this defense so much? Is it the players, the scheme, or both? I really think it's the, play, it's the players, Bob. We have seen the Dolphins struggle against tight ends over the past several years. If you really look at free agency in the draft, they really haven't upgraded the linebacker position in terms of you know coverage linebackers and a true middle linebacker. Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald just releasing an article a short while ago saying the Dolphins would like to keep Kiko Alonso, but they also want to move him to weak side linebacker where he can excel much more and not be as liable in coverage and so forth. They want to get a true middle linebacker, whether or not that's through the draft. Free agency remains to be seen, but Bob, the fact of the matter is the Dolphins have not been able to upgrade over the past several years. Of course, they signed Daniel Ellerby from the Baltimore Ravens, who they thought was going to be an impact player. He was a complete bust in Miami. Uh, before that, they had Carlos Dansby, Kevin Burnett, and now you look at that and you're like, can we have them back? Because they were absolutely much better than anyone that we have now. All right, House, before I went to the Twitter questions, I said we were going to get to the quarterback situation. Ryan Tannehill, Matt Moore. Matt Moore on paper has done a phenomenal job over the past three weeks. Matt Moore on film, there is some stuff to question there. If the Dolphins do not have Ryan Tannehill on Sunday, House, do you think that the Dolphins stand a chance? And do you think Matt Moore is playing better than Tannehill right now? 
Uh, as far as your second question, I I was very impressed with the way Tannehill played throughout the year, and I think his athleticism alone uh, would would make him my starter if, if he's healthy. So I, I'm not sure that Matt Moore. I like the stats. I see he's putting up some decent numbers. Two and one in these last three games, he's done everything we could ask of him, but. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he doesn't have quite the pocket awareness as uh, Matt Moore, and he doesn't like to step up as much. But for me, Tannehill, just what he brings on the run and with his, with his legs and his pure athleticism, I, if, if healthy, I would, I would go Tannehill. Now, now, whether or not we don't stand a chance with Matt Moore, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I do think we'd be better off with a healthy Tannehill. But for me, the way Matt Moore played doesn't seem to – have any fear? He's a gunslinger. He, if he sees single coverage, he, he tries to fit the ball in there. So I mean, you gotta love what Matt Moore brings, especially like Sutton said earlier. This game heading into it, the Dolphins they might come out just thinking we're playing with the house money here, and they might just take every chance they can get. And for me, Matt Moore is that guy that's just gonna air it out, and when he has that opportunity, he's not scared to take it. So I think it's good and bad. I, I think if Tannehill's healthy or healthy enough, I think he's probably going to push and do everything he can to play. But for me, uh, I like what Matt Moore's done, and I have all the confidence in the world in either of these quarterbacks in uh, going up to Heinz Field and hopefully pulling up another play. Sorry, piggybacking on what House is saying, if Tannehill is close to being ready but not quite there, but he's doing everything right in practice, and there's a chance of him getting re-injured in the game, what do you do? Do you do – you, put him out there and, and hope that he is successful and doesn't re-injure himself? Or do you sit him and make sure there's no long-term injury impact to him? Well, I think if given this case, I, I don't think it's a good long-term solution, obviously, because there's a risk of, of future injury. But I don't think it's a good short-term answer either. It's simply because Tannehill hasn't played in three games and I don't think it's inconceivable to think that it might take him a quarter to get back into the flow of playing in a game, let alone a playoff game, and a quarter might be too late. So I'm a little nervous about how this is going to play out. If Tannehill does play, I really want to see him at 100% or really close to it. If there's any lingering concerns, um, and with this, with the potential for rust, um, albeit it, it might be a, a, a drive or two, but can we afford to take two drives to get Tannehill back into the flow of playing in an NFL football game? So I don't know that we can risk that amount of time in this game either. What do you guys think? Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the question. You look at a guy like Robert Griffin, who the Redskins rushed back, but he injured that. He had that injury in the game itself, and the field was absolutely atrocious. I'm not a doctor, so I don't really know. We don't know Tannehill's body. Adam Gase and the Dolphins staff has shown a tendency not to rush players back, and I know that Adam Gase is not going to risk Ryan Tannehill's career on this, so I'm going to put my full, complete faith in, in Adam Gase, and then whatever decision he makes is the right one for the team. We'll know a lot more yeah. on Wednesday when the Dolphins go out to practice at 1 o'clock p.m. I believe it might actually be a little later than that. Let me just double-check here. They practice at 1.15 p.m. tomorrow on Wednesday. So Adam Gates said we'll know a lot more following that. House, did you want to follow up on, on that question for Sutton? Uh, yeah, I mean, the way Sutton put it, that's 
I mean, he nailed it on the head. I was kind of torn between the two and thought maybe Tannehill, if he felt a little bit more healthy, that he might try to push to come back. But I do agree with what Sutton said in that long term. I mean, this is year one of Adam Gates. We'd like to hope that this is something that we're going to be uh, come accustomed to over the next few seasons. So hopefully the Dolphins are back in the playoff mix next year and uh, we have a healthy Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, so, you know, let's transition from that in terms of Ryan Tannehill and, and Matt Moore and talking about the interchangeable quarterbacks there and whether or not the Dolphins can still win with one or the other. Something that's probably going to be a question next year, we just kind of touched on a little bit, is will the Dolphins be able to continue to win on defense without Vance Joseph? Reports saying that he's going to be getting a head coaching job most likely in Denver this year. A lot of fans freaking out. A lot of fans saying Vance Joseph can get out of here because his defense is the worst in the league, the worst in NFL history in terms of stats. I know what Vance Joseph brings to the table in terms of locker room, meeting room, relating to the players and getting the most out of them. Other people look at stats. Sutton, when you're looking at Vance Joseph and the possibility of losing him to another team, how much do you think that's going to hurt the Dolphins in terms of continuity and uh, staying on the same path to continuing to build that defensive foundation? It's, it's a fair question, and kind of going to the first thing you said where people say, well, look at, look at the statistics of the team. You know, how is he getting head coaching? You know, how is he getting uh, the credentials to build a head coaching resume? And when Mike McCarthy was hired by the Green Bay Packers, he was coming from San Francisco, and I believe they were like the 30th-ranked offense or something, and he's turned into a fine head coach. So I'm not saying that's the rule or the exception. I'm just pointing out the fact that just because your team's statistical ranks aren't in the top 50% or something, that it's not possible for you to be a viable head coaching candidate, which I think Vance Joseph is. I think I just I have this knack that Adam Gase knows how to build a staff. And if you yeah. lose Vance Joseph, he's going to have a good replacement. Like, I, I don't think Adam Gase came here, got these guys here, and was like, okay, well, we need to make it happen right now. I think this dude is meticulous in everything he does. And if we lose Vance Joseph, I mean, you've already hinted at a possible replacement for him, so you know – that contingency is already in place. So you know that they already have backup candidates. They're not idiots. They know that Vance Joseph's going to get some interest out there, and you'd be foolish to not have the risk management necessary. If you lose them, what do you do in that situation? So I, I, I agree, MC Money. I think they're going to have a, um, a, a candidate that's going to be very worthy of his replacement if he does uh, get lucky enough to get one of those gigs. And staying on the topic of Vance Joseph House in terms of the injuries that Vance Joseph has had to deal with this season on defense, Rashad Jones, Byron Maxwell for a little bit, Xavier Howard for a lot of the season, Koa Misi, Jelani Jenkins, Cameron Wake with a slow start, Mario Williams with absolutely no impact that he's made this season. Uh, he's just been you know, trying to plug in guy after guy after guy here. And to continue to still win football games, on both sides of the ball for both Adam Gase and Vance Joseph. But for me, that speaks volumes about the work that Vance Joseph has done when trying to compete with these injuries. What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's what's most impressive to me. I mean, what he's done with the, the cards he's been dealt, I mean, it's just been extremely impressive. I think 
coming into the year, cornerback was probably our biggest uh, need. And I think once Vance Joseph came along, we started to realize his coaching alone seemed to kind of change all that. I mean, Tony Lippett stepped up. You got Bobby McCain doing what he does in the slot. Byron Maxwell, was, for, for when he's healthy, I mean, he's playing out of his mind. David Howard stepped up when, when called upon. So, I mean, I know that's Vance Joseph where he's most natural at is being a, a secondary coach and coaching up the defensive back. So, for me, I think that's where it's going to be the – I think that's where we're going to miss the most about Vance Joseph, just the way he coaches up that secondary. And like you said, what he's been able to do with all the injuries and the Cardinals and Dell that's been extremely impressive. And whether he gets a head coaching job this year or whether it's a couple years down the line, uh, I wish Vance Joseph the best of luck wherever he ends up. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, obviously we want to see the Dolphins continue to have success with their coaching staff and go on to bigger and better opportunities. It kind of sucks that Vance Joseph would stay in the AFC, but at least he's not going to be in the division more than likely, unless, of course, he somehow ends up with the Buffalo Bills, which I don't think is going to happen. Guys, there is so much to talk about. I say this every single week. We can continue here for hours and hours and hours, but we do try to keep it to one hour here maximum on Finsider Radio. So before we do log off, and you guys, Feel free to read the Finsider.com during the week, comment in the thread. You know, there are tons of articles that are posted. Uh, continue to comment in our live thread. We'll try our best to interact with you throughout the, throughout the night and over the next few days if the conversation still flows. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm at Finsider Radio. We have House at H-O-U-T-Z. We're trying to get Sutton to get a Twitter account maybe one day. He will jump into the 21st century and join us. Uh, <laughs> is, is that is that is that the requirement necessary for advancing into the 21st century is to have a freaking Twitter account? Oh, it absolutely is, sign. You don't know how much you're uh, missing out on. I mean, my tweets you, are you will my, not regret it. My tweets are fire. House's <laughs> tweets are lit AF. Um, you are just totally missing out. And of course, Alpha's on there too. So wherever Alpha is, we need to be there as well. It's funny because the people that tell me it's funny because the people that tell me to get Twitter are also the people that tell me not to get Twitter. So I'm confused. Won't y'all just make up your damn mind and let me know if this is actually a viable instrument of knowledge? No, Twitter is garbage. Twitter, Twitter's garbage. (laughs) See, this is why I'm conflicted, MC Money. This. You got to get Twitter you know, to know Twitter. You got to get know, Twitter. You, it's garbage. Yeah. And you guys I, in a live I, thread. I don't know how to resolve those two things. You guys in a live thread right now who are listening, type in why Sutton should get Twitter. Okay. Type in why Sutton should get Twitter. And Sutton's going yeah, to read I need it. Some, I need some convincing. And Sutton needs to be convinced to join Twitter. All right. Before we jump off the year, uh, before the Steelers playoff game on Sunday, I don't want to score. But Sutton, how do you see this game playing out? It honestly, it, it really depends on the first quarter for me. If the first quarter's close, I think the game is close. If the first quarter is fourteen nothing, if the if if the first quarter scores fourteen nothing for down, I think that that prevail that that spells doom for us just because I don't know that we're we're going to be a team that's going to be able to get into a shootout match with Pittsburgh and I don't think we're going to be able to come back from a huge deficit or anything I think this is one of those games where um, these types of games happen in March Madness a lot where the underdog just sticks around for a while sticks around sticks around yeah the 
the favorite might get up um, a few points, but the underdog sticks around, and then in the fourth quarter they make their run and they end up winning the game. So uh, I'm hoping that's the narrative that plays out here, that we keep it close early, we get the run game going. Our defense can – I don't know that they'll be able to consistently stop Pittsburgh, but maybe be opportunistic and – and get a couple turnovers in a game like this, and if, if we're able to do that, and we're able to take care of the ball and get our round, uh, and get our ground game going, every reason to suspect this is going to be a very close game in the fourth. How tall about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I touched on a little bit earlier. For me, Byron Maxwell's health is a huge uh, will play a huge income of outcome of the way this game ends up. But for me, I think stopping Le'Veon Bell, being able to contain him and force Ben back and, and make those throws. Hopefully the defensive line can put pressure on him. And like Sutton said, giving the ball to J.H.I. I mean, anytime, anytime the Dolphins are out there, he should be seeing the rock as many times as possible. And I think being able to stop the run and being able to run the football will end up being the two uh, key factors in Sunday's game. I think the Dolphins are going to come out and, and come out firing on all cylinders. Adam Gaze has postseason experience. I get the feeling that it's going to be a very competitive, very close game. Adam Gates said it best yesterday during his press conference. They're all playing for the same amount of money at this point. Your paycheck in the NFL is spread over 17 weeks. At this point, you are all playing for the same amount of money. It's who wants it more. And is it going to be a young, hungry bunch for the Dolphins? Or is it going to be that veteran group for the Steelers who are one in three over the past five seasons in the post? We will find out on Sunday what happens with the Miami Dolphins. Will they be that fairy tale team that keeps their season going? Or will they be just another team who snuck in the playoffs, had a great regular season, but just couldn't muster enough power to get past the first round? And then we'll look to the next year to build on their foundation. We'll find all of that out starting at 1 p.m. on Sunday on CBS. The Dolphins in a playoff for the first time since 2008. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Don't be too nervous on Sunday. Pro tip, drink lots and lots of alcohol before the game. Calm yourself down. Take a Xanax. Drink some beer. Drink some hard liquor. Drink some wine. Do whatever you got to do to calm yourself down. But please, don't do anything too crazy. For House for Sutton, I'm Matt Canada. Thank you for joining Kinsider Radio. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Right now, Napa Legend batteries come with a $15 rebate by mail. Their long-lasting durability stands up to extreme conditions. So even on scorching days, it'll puff its chest out and be all like, hey, summer heat, find another car battery to drain. Napa Legend batteries with $15 mail-in rebate. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 831.18. 
now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 